I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business podcast. Key Dean, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, that's correct. Man, okay, so catch us up, the, the audience, too. We have a, a lot of basketball trainers who listen to this. You got injured in college around your junior year? Um, um, yes, it was, my, it was in my junior year. Um, I found out that summer before I went to my senior year of college. Um, had, a, had, had some back issues and went to therapy and they're doing some, you know, typical stretches and mobility stuff. And they realized that I didn't have mobility in my hips the way it should have. And they told me to get MRI. And I found out I tore my labrum in my hips. How do you do you do any kind of uh, rehab right now? Any kind of preventative measures? Um, well, my wife, she's been studying to get her NASM PES um, over the last year. And, um, you know, she's just been reading up a bunch. So I've been doing some stuff with her over the last, uh, shame to say, few months. I haven't been doing it as consistently as I should have, and I, uh, I feel the I feel pain that I um, probably could be avoiding if I took care of my body as well as I should have. With you know, obviously basketball trains a lot of still pounding, you're still running around, getting rebounds, you're still really active. So, um, yeah, I, I do some stuff now, but I've been very inconsistent uh, with my rehab because that's one thing I just I don't prioritize my own health enough. I'm 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 so keen on focusing on the players that I work with. Um, I probably should do a better job focusing on myself <laughs> with that. So I just got to go into the academy whenever uh, wifey gets all those certifications. And 100%. 100%. That's definitely got to be a part. She's doing some stuff with some people right now, and they've, they've seen a lot of a lot of growth in, in a short period of time. And um, so once she gets certified, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely throwing that in there. <laughs> Was it the uh, – did it have some – characteristics of the I love the love and basketball story you guys met in college she was a hooper you were a hooper it, it actually did yeah so she played ball I was a junior when we met and she was a freshman um she played it was it was crazy because we were actually best friends and uh the first time we hung out um together alone was playing horse and so yeah it kind of was loving basketball um she beat me in horse that was the only time she has ever beaten me and the only time she ever will beat me <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of connected from there, man. Yo, it's you guys. Um, did you have a strict school when when it came to visitation? I went to a Christian school, D two. Yeah, yeah. When I first man, when I first went there, it was crazy. Um, there was no inner visitation. Like they couldn't even come in the lobby of our of our dorms. Um, by the time I was a junior, you we were allowed to have an open door policy. So like, you could um, on the weekends for like certain hours they could come in the room if they signed in and um you yeah they had the door open and everything like that but when I first got there it was there was nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> same for us the door open feet now the lobby was a little extreme but we had to have the door open or yeah. the jar was even risking it feet on the floor lights on but for good reason yeah. for solid reason I believe yeah. um other question for you man I saw the love the process podcast when are we going to get back to those Man, you know what's funny is um, – so I'm going through some technical difficulties right now. I have one that I want to drop with Willie Cauley-Stein, um, my video guy. Um, he kind of 
flaked with the video went out there and got some video yeah he just kind of fell off the face of the earth so um i don't got no well i have the video but it hasn't been sent to me so i've been like trying to put it off like waiting like hopefully i can drop it with the youtube thing but i've just come to realize i'll never get in so i'm just gonna have to drop the audio <laughs> yeah i feel it hey i like the audio man it's solid content what was the goal for that for the podcast man um I'm going to be honest, there, were, there was kind of two separate goals. When I first initially did it, um, I wanted to do more on the training in, in the business side, really um, just going in depth of how to actually make money, you know, with basketball training, because I think kind of like what, I mean, what you're doing, man. You know, there's a lot of people that are love the game of basketball and are really good at the basketball side, but they don't really understand, you know, how to make money off it or how to, um, you know, build a business off it. So that was when I interviewed, uh, you know, Paul Fabrice from TJF and, you know, Jordan Lawley. And that was like a few years back. And then I took a brief, well, not a brief, a long hiatus, you know, with my son being born and everything like that. And um, the, the kind of the second round was more so just really going into the process of, you know, you could be a trainer, you could be a player, you know, whatever the case may be, but just people that really love the basketball world and, and kind of going through or going into, you know, what they've gone through with their life. Um, that has helped them, you know, get to the places that they're at right now. So it was kind of like two different um, goals with that. But um, hopefully once this corona thing, because for me, I really like wanted to only do in-person stuff. So I've, uh, you know, just because I feel like you get a deeper connection and everything. And I know I wasn't dropping as much as I'd like to, um, just with some inconsistencies with, you know, the camera people and stuff like that. But um, hopefully when this corona um, COVID-19 ends, I can hopefully get back on that and, and meet with some people in person and hopefully put out some good content that'll help. Um, help the Did you world. fly to Irvine to interview J-Law and to interview <laughs> Yeah, Paul? Yeah, on my own time, I was like, screw it, man. I, I want to meet them in person so I can really, you know, get to know them and see if they're, you know, stand-up people, which they were. They were great dudes. So, yeah, I flew out there. Yo, are you? Do you make decisions like that? I know Paul said he's like a when he makes a decision, he moves on it quickly. Like, bro, they could have had a rescheduling appointment. They could have had something else come up, but you went out there anyway. Is that your yeah. nature? Yeah, I'm. I'm always like my big thing is it's kind of it's. I think it's one of my big strengths, but it's also a detriment. If I'm being honest, is um when I do something like I do it, like I'm I become like I'm all in. Like I don't know how to you know, tiptoe around it. So when I said I was going to do it, I'm just like, you know, F it. I'm, I'm drop flying out there. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, I know I did everything I could on my end, you know, to, to make this a success. And if it didn't happen, then it wasn't God's plan. But yes, I was always been, I, I would, I'd fly to go watch players train. I'd drive, you know, eight, 10 hours with my dogs in the car. Me and my wife had to leave the dogs at La Quinta to go watch players train. I'm not even getting paid. So it's like, I, I would always do things and I still do that's like, aren't guaranteed because I want to try and separate myself. What? I know I was listening to one of your podcast interviews and you mentioned um, the topic was pride in the training space. And random question for me to you is, have you, with your team of trainers, have you had somebody you've taught before that's ended up going on their own with their training business and talk to me about the pride you've seen in the industry? Yeah, man, I think it's, you know, it's kind of cliche, um, but I think it's really crazy because, again, I think when people say it's all about the players, I think it's it's true and it's not true. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to say that, but at the end of the day, if it was all about the players, then we'd all be doing it for free to some degree and that type of stuff. So it's not true. Like, 
Now, I think it should be primarily about the players. I think if you're doing things, if there's a um, a moral battle, uh, you know, between this is good for me, but it's going to harm the player, but I'm going to do it for me anyways, um, then then I think you're kind of you're kind of messed up with that. That being said, I think there's a lot of people that basketball training has allowed some to achieve, especially with social media, um, celebrity status almost in a sense, um, without actually being a celebrity level hooper. Um, so there's a lot of pride in the industry. Um, and there's a lot of people that, you know, don't want to, um, one, don't want to help other people, then two, um, aren't always open to learning from other people. So yeah, I've had, man, I've had a ton of interns, um, a ton. And a lot of them um, haven't lasted. I have a great trainer in Tampa by the name of Chris Gray. Um, Kyle Lewis was my roommate in college. He also trained with Process under me for a little bit. And he's actually now doing some stuff with MailChimp. I have Charlie here right now, right next to me. But I've had a ton of people that have wanted to intern. And I've kind of realized their reasoning behind doing it wasn't as sincere, wasn't as pure, and a lot of them didn't last. Some of them people, some of the people, you know, got certain things, then dipped off. Like you said, they started their own business. Um, and, and, and what I've realized is it's very hard to humble yourself in the basketball training industry, at least for most people. Now, there's some people that, you know, always want to learn, and those that's great. But it's very hard, I think, for general people because there's no degree that says you can be a trainer. There's no um, schooling to be a trainer. So anybody can do it. And if anybody can do it, why would I want to learn under somebody else? Why would I want to pick someone else's brain? Um, when I can just start it myself and act as if I'm a master already of my craft, because all I have to do is post on social media. And if I can post myself doing something really good, or if I can um, convince a parent that I'm doing something really good, or if I can latch on to someone that's going to make it or already has made it and portray myself as being very good, you know, I, I've already promoted myself as being a master. I can achieve that celebrity status if I have very good marketing tactics. And um, there's no need to necessarily learn the way that I think that people should be doing like for me I always say my story man I used to I slaved watching film my wife time was my girlfriend she almost left me I was watching film five six hours a day um every day you know reading books trying to learn in class I would have a, a biology book in college and I have a book inside that biology book so it looked like I was paying attention but I was really reading a book <laughs> about business or something like I was always trying to learn and um I think it's it's so much easier to skip those steps now because again, the, it's so much easier. It's a, it's a flooded industry, but you can really establish yourself as being a, a leader in this without actually doing anything. Um, and when you start to see a little bit of results of that, then pride kicks in and why would I, you know, again, I'm going to intern with you. I'm going to take everything I learned from you and then I'm going to go start it myself. Um, because it's not, I, I don't need a degree. So I've, I've got everything I needed and I'm going to dip out. And it's just, I think it's really unfortunate. Um, but I think that's with any business as well. So people are going to do that with basketball training. People are going to do that with, you know, being a plumber and owning a plumbing company. It's just a, it's just a reality of, of the way the world is. So how do you view competition in this space specifically? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm a very, very competitive person, very competitive. Like I have issues with competing. Um, uh, I really do, man. Um, so 
you know, for me, my initial goal when I first started, I was like, man, I want to be the best trainer in the world. Like, I want to develop, I want to develop like somebody from scratch for them to be the best player like in the NBA. Like, that was my goal. And um, but as I've gotten a little bit older and I've been doing it, you know, I think this is my sixth going on seventh year of doing it. How old are you? I realized I'm 27. Yeah. So um, I've kind of just realized that it's not really about that. Um, it really is um, for me about helping players become the best players they can be, but then also helping trainers, again, be able to hopefully make a living off of doing what they love to do and developing um, developing players and developing other people. Um, so for competition, man, I've been doing a much better job recently of just trying to stay in my own lane, trying not to compare myself to other people. Um, I'll, I'll say this, like, there's some trainers that I love, right? And, you know, being human, sometimes I'll look at their stuff and I'm comparing, like, man, like, I feel like I'm better than him or, man, like, getting more likes than me or whatever the case may be. There'll be sometimes I'll have to unfollow them, not because I don't like them, but because I'll see myself trying to compare myself to them and it gets unhealthy for me. So, um, yeah, man, I've just been trying to do do the best I possibly can of focusing on my craft, focusing on, on my lane and, and being the best person I can be. Um, rather than, you know, using external motivation, which I've used my whole life because I'm very competitive. So it's been a new adjustment for me. But but it works, though, does it not? And it's tough because I know it. one is more holistic if you compete internally and, you know, it's for mm-hmm. helping versus proving somebody else wrong. But as a point guard, yeah. as a shooting guard, as an undersized guard, like, is what got us to where we were. And in my opinion, helped us have the success we had. So how do you balance that? Because you don't hide your faith. You're not, a, you're not ashamed of your faith. But how do you balance those two realities? Yeah, man, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I look at, I try to look at it like this. You, you're 100% right. It's definitely worked. One of the reasons why I think I've had the success I've had is I've been motivated by people telling me I can't do it, by, um, you know, external situations, those different things. But I've realized it's always come at a price and the price has been peace. And I haven't a lot of times in my life, looking back, I haven't had the peace that I probably should have had because I'm comparing myself. So, for example, um, I'm working out uh, Jonathan Isaac or Kevin Knox. Right. And, you know, they two top 10 draft picks in a row. And I look at this like as man, I'm I've developed these dudes. Jonathan wasn't ranked before I started working with him. And, you know, he's a top 10 draft pick. Kevin was, you know, he might have been ranked. I don't even know what it was, but he blows. No one thought he was going to go one and done. I'm telling people he was going to go one and done. Everyone's looking like crazy. Now he's a top 10 draft. That's two in a row. It's two of the last three drafts. Like, I feel like I'm the dude, right? Uh, my ego's inflated. My pride's inflated. And so I look at somebody else that maybe had to accomplish those things or maybe latches onto a, a player or whatever. And even though it will drive me to go harder, deep down, if I'm being honest, there's a little bit of envy. Now, it's not an envy of, like, I hate that person, but it's like, dang, like, like I'm better than him like why aren't I getting the same opportunities he's getting why aren't I getting this you know I feel like I'm better and it's come at a cost of again my peace where nothing's enough I've achieved those things but because I didn't get you know necessarily the the clout or whatever the case that you know trainer b has gotten um I want more and I've got to achieve more and I've just realized it's not a way to live man it's I think for me I, I balance always wanting to be the best because I want to be the best for my own personal reasons now, not so everyone else can view me as the best. And and that's where I've had to come to terms with this. I want to be the best trainer because I love basketball. I love the details. I love watching a kid that wasn't good, you know, blowing up and, and being a, a top player. I watch, I love watching a kid that couldn't make his middle school team. Now he's making the middle school team. Now he's being a contributor and getting playing time 
on his varsity team, you know, when he gets to high school and nobody thought he could do it. That's like starting, in, if I'm being 100% honest, like back in the day, yeah, I always had that in me. But again, I wanted to be somebody. I looked at basketball training. I shifted from basketball playing to basketball training. Is like, this is going to be my identity. People are going to know me when I go somewhere and be like, yo, he trained this guy, this guy, this guy. He's the juice in the training world. And like, I've just, again, I've kind of realized that those things are cool, um, but they're not going to give me the internal peace that I'm looking for. Only the thing that can do that is God. And I've had to kind of distance myself from things that are going to uh, drag me in, in that direction. So it's a long-winded answer, but hopefully no, that's a well, that's well answered, man. That was way better. I thought you were going to answer it well, but not, not that well. So you told a story about, I don't know what roommate or teammate you were, you were with, but his sister mm-hmm. made a comment. Who's going to want to train with some, some guy who played in AIA basketball, you know, like, yeah. how, is that cathartic knowing that, okay, I've proven myself now. It's not like you went back and shoved it in her face, but you can definitely mm-hmm. say you've overcome that thing that she said. Does that not bring some kind of cathartic feeling to you? Or what is that like? I mean, I'll say, like, if I'm being honest, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you feel good, 100%. Like, I definitely feel like I've come with something. And, again, when, when people throw little slides, like, I'm, I'm not uh, 100% holistic. I'm working towards that. I've gotten a lot better at that. But if somebody doubts me, I 100% want to go, like, I want to prove them wrong still. But that's just not my main motivator. But um, I'll definitely say, man, when I was first starting, there was a lot of that. I had teammates, my own teammates at um, my college, man, making fun of me, calling me. This is before process was cool. Now everyone uses process as the word. And, I mean, when I freaking started using it, everybody was roasting me, right? I was a weirdo for saying, oh, process basketball training. People come around, oh, what's up, process, like laughing in my face. I had the vice principal of my college. I, I say this all the time. Um, I just never forget it, man. Vice principal of my university came up to me and told me I was stealing kids' money when I first started. Um, yeah, man, and it hurt. It hurt really, really bad. Same thing, like you said, that comment of no one's going to train with you. You go to Ava Marie, pronounce the school name wrong, university. And I was like, dang, like, I almost started crying on the spot. I was like, man, do I even want to do this? Um, so I think it's, it's still a benefit when you can turn those negatives into positives because those negatives are always going to come, right? Um, someone's always going to doubt you no matter what level you get to. There's always going to be a naysayer. There's always going to be somebody um, that doesn't believe you can do it. So I think there's still value in turning those negatives into positives because, one, um, it can be fuel. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do one of two things. I think when people say they don't really care. Now, granted, Joe Schmo on the Internet's comments, you suck. I'm probably not going to care because I don't know even who you – like, you don't have a profile picture, bro. Like, why are you on my page? Like, I don't care. But <laughs> to someone that you know I – mean, I think when people say they don't care, that's a mechanism because they do care and they're trying to shield it. So I know this lady. I know the vice principal of my university. When they tell me these things, like, that hurts me badly, like, deeply. And I'm questioning, should I even do this? Um, so I have one of two options. I can either, A, you know, feel bad, feel sorry for myself, um, and those comments affect me in a negative, you know, way. Or, B, I can use that for motivation, hopefully in the right context, with the right motivation, not only trying to prove those people wrong, but still use it to fuel my fire and um, go a little bit harder and maybe do a little bit more when I don't feel like doing it because of those comments. Because like you said, man, it feels good. <laughs> it does feel good knowing that um, her brother, one of my homeboys, wants to work out with me when he's trying to go pro all the time. Now it's like, dang, your sister was the one that said, yeah, no one's going to want to train me. Now you want to train me. Like, I find that funny. Like, I'm still being honest. So I still have a little bit of edge to me. But. For sure. Yeah, man, a lot of, lot of questions and – uh, definitely want to be respectful of your time, my man. So I know you got a lot of things going on. 
you're good, uh, man. You're good. There's no rush. I'm got the carpet people in the back, so I, I don't, I can't be in the house anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you got the quiet space in the car too. So, question for you is, how do you balance the? Uh, we'll, we'll go on that same topic though. We everybody's watching the Last Dance right now, and they're mm-hmm. admiring Michael Jordan, and we always admire success, discipline, and what they what they accomplish. These great athletes, but let's yeah. be real. Like the greatest leader of all time, uh, the greatest businessman, sold millions of books, billions of books. They have to take his book off the best seller, seller's list. You talk about the Bible, like mm-hmm. one in three people follow Christ, doesn't have a social media account. We consider him the best leader, but you see guys like Michael Jordan, who we actually see today, and he has a different style and he has success. 100%. So how do, you, how do you reconcile that? How do you compare that? And he's getting results, but we also serve somebody who's got results his way too. That's- that's a great question. Um, it's funny. I was actually thinking about that yesterday morning when I woke up, because um, I, you know, I've seen the clip cir- circulate on Twitter. I posted the clip of him um, talking about it, and um, I think the one thing that is the biggest similarity between them both, right, that I've been looking at is they care, and they care a lot, a lot, man. And so that when I look at the leadership style, because I was more of I was like a mix, right? I had two two of my best friends um, in college were more Michael Jordan. They're going to curse you out. They're going to do whatever they like. You're going to hate them with a passion, but they're either going to bring the best out of you or they're going to they're gonna quit. And it's funny because, again, when I was watching it, I'm sitting next to my wife and I'm like, dang, like, I don't know how I feel. Like, I literally told her this. We had a conversation in the middle of watching it. I'm like, because, like, I love, like, that he's doing this. Like, I agree with it, but I don't agree with it at the same time. So I think Obviously, Jesus is the greatest leader that's ever lived. And Michael Jordan had a ton of success being a leader, but his style is completely different. And what I think, again, the similarities are they really care, number one. And then number two, they're going to call you out on what you're doing. So what I mean by that is, obviously, Jordan's going to call you out in a somewhat reckless way. (laughs) Um, Jesus is still going to call you out on things you're doing. If you have a real relationship with him, man, you're not living right. You're going to feel something. He's going to call you out when you have your quiet time, when you're praying, or when you're reading your Bible. It's going to hit you, and it's going to hit you hard. Like, dang, like, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Um, now, the delivery is different. Um, the style is different. But, I mean, if you, I think Jesus, as well as not afraid of not being liked. I mean, we saw what he was saying to the Pharisees. All right. He wasn't he wasn't holding any punches when he was talking to him. Um, there were things that he said that at, even at the time we look at it now as countercultural. But at the time we're countercultural. They're picking grains of wheat, uh, of wheat on the Sabbath and the Pharisees go at him and he, and he counters back. That, I mean, that's those are things that at the time were a big deal. And like he wasn't a, he wasn't afraid of not being like of healing on the Sabbath. If people might not have liked that because it was the Sabbath, he did it anyways. So Jordan might call you. Um, a garden tool <laughs> um, when, when, when practicing with you and you might not like that, but he's going to call you out on what you're doing and he's going to hold you accountable. And Jesus is going to hold you accountable as well. He's going to, I mean, I think about the woman at the well, right? It's crazy. He just met this woman and he's already calling her out on, yeah, you've been with three men and none of them are your husband. Right. Where's he your just husband? met her. <laughs> he just met her. Like, what? like you don't do that. Um, but he did it out of love. He did it because he cared. Now, Michael Jordan cared about winning. Jesus cared uh, about the salvation of your soul and having a relationship with him. But they were both willing to, to, to call you out on what you're doing and to have hard conversations and to necessarily not always be liked 
um, not always be liked in, in the beginning stages when, when they're having those conversations. Um, and hopefully with, with the, with the goal of you'll start to realize, you know, what maybe your deficiencies are. You, maybe you'll start to realize, man, maybe I don't care. I say God's first. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Cause I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to try my best to uh, make it concise, but um, dang, maybe I don't, I say God's first, but like, maybe I'm not living like it. And Michael Jordan, maybe I say I want to win a championship, but maybe I'm not preparing like it. And I think both of them are just trying to get you to the realization. Do you really want what you say you want? Do you really believe what you say you believe? And if not, we got to get you to the point where either A, you, it's not the team for you, like Michael Jordan said. It's not the team for He's not for everybody. Like, you don't need to be here. Or B, same thing with Jesus. I don't want a lukewarm follower. You don't need to be here. You need to be all in. You need to be all out. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my quick little rant slash sermon. So I think oh, I think man. the basis of it is the same. I just think again the delivery with Jordan is a little bit, you know, he's a little bit more ruthless. But so, yeah, you answered that better than I asked it because I, I thought about it while you were talking. Like, oh, what are the similarities and differences? Which is what you basically said. So no, I appreciate that. How do you how do you manage the balance between ministry and business when it comes to process basketball? For sure. Um, that's something that I've, you know, it's a little bit different now because the last, I think, three or four months, I got hired as a as a pastor at a church. So um, it's it's been interesting, but I've always tried to look at this as my ministry. Um, but it's tough, if I'm being 100% honest with you, it's very, very tough. Um, for me, my heart behind basketball is, like, I always, I'm very upfront. Like, I love basketball so much. Like, it's been a vessel that God's used to give me a lot of things out of life, a ton of things. Um, been a less a vessel that He's used to teach me a lot about life, teach me a lot about myself. And I just love honestly, like outside of that, I just love the game. Like I love watching it. I love playing it. I love studying it. I love talking mess when I'm playing. Like I just love it. Love everything about it. But it's for me, I've always tried to use it as if I'm really, really good at my craft, I'm really, really good at, you know, helping a player get better. Hopefully. I'll be able to develop a relationship with that player. And if I develop a relationship with that player, hopefully I can um, explain and show them, one, the love of Christ, to, to show them that I actually care about them as more than just a basketball player. Then, two, hopefully I can be an example to show them what Jesus has done for me because I was messed up, man. In college, before I met God, I was real messed up. In high school, I was messed up. I was a mean person, man. And um, so I try and use it for that. Um, but there's definitely times where it's uncomfortable because – when you're talking about Jesus to, to people that don't want to hear about Jesus, um, it's, it's definitely a battle when you're talking about Jesus and you're getting paid to do basketball training. And, um, you know, but you feel like God's telling you to tell something to somebody, but those, the, those kids, parents don't believe in Jesus at all. And you tell that kid something and, and, and maybe that kid's parents get mad at you and they stop crying. And then those, that, those, uh, that payment goes away. I mean, it's definitely something that if I'm being honest, I've definitely had thoughts about, um, but again, I, I've got to be faithful to what God's called me to do. And my big thing is just to love every single person when they come through and try and help them become the best player they can be, because that's what they've hired me for. And, you know, God says, and Jesus says, um, do everything as if you're working for the Lord. So I try and like, act like, man, when I'm lazy and I don't feel like doing that, uh, I don't feel like correcting that kid. Cause I've told him to hold his follow through. 50 times in a row and he's still not listening and I'm just like want to mentally check out like oh screw it he ain't gonna listen I've got to tell him the 51st time because 
I'm trying to work as if I'm working for God. And if I'm working for God, I got to do the best I possibly can. If I got to do the best I possibly can with God, I got to do it for that kid, which means I got to tell him the whole fall through. Again, even though he's not listening to me in hopes that when he's older or one day it clicks, he realizes that I care about him. He realizes, why does he care about me so much? And he attributes that to Jesus. And then hopefully, um, you know, God will prick his heart and he'll be able to have his own relationship with him. So, yeah, but it's tough. It's very, very tough because you. Had a little 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 gap right there in the in the uh, the podcast. So we're back now. So Key, you were talking about the the balance between ministry and business, man. Yeah, um, it's just really again, it's just really hard when you care. All right. Um, if I just looked at this as a business, um, and I didn't really care about the people, I think it'd be a lot easier because I you know you go train three hours a day, you do your business stuff at home for a little bit, and um, you check out from it mentally, but when you really care and you see each person as, as a mission to try and show the love of Christ to them. Um, it's tough. It's really, really tough because especially working with youth, you, you see a lot of things that you went through and you've learned from, and maybe you know something that can help them with what they're going through, you know, the answer to it. And, um, you know, seeing them, I guess it's almost preparing me for parenting, I guess, seeing them, um, be hard-headed with certain things or seeing them not want to give certain things a chance or um, wanting something different but making you know decisions that maybe uh, aren't beneficial for what they want um, it's something that you take with you like me and my wife I mean we'll have conversations at 11 30 12 midnight talking about a player for two hours after the session's over because like you care so much and you want them to get whatever it is so much so um, but it's also the most rewarding thing in the world so it's, it's a beautiful thing Tim Martin, beautiful struggle. That's my guy. That's my guy right there. What do you? So how do you? How do you work with your wife, man? Uh, I read your website. And I was thinking, oh snap, he works with his wife. What is that like, especially with this training industry? Man, I love it to be honest. Um, you know, when you said that, it actually made me think. When you said, um, "Who do you go to?" I go to her. So. Any when the, one of the first questions you ask, any any questions I have, I pretty much go to her. People don't realize that like she pretty much is like. It, I'll say this: without her, there is no process. There is no me being a trainer. There's there's nothing like there really isn't. And um, she she makes so many more hard choices, or she'll say the things that I think, but I don't. I'm scared to say. Like, I oh, what should I do about the situation? She'll just say it, and um. She, she really pushes the company forward. And I'll say this, man, I really love it. Like people, I've talked to some people are like, man, how do you work with your wife? Like, that's crazy. Like, how can you do it? Like, I'd be wanting to strangle her and this and that. Like, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. I think it's like really a blessing that like, we can do this one. We get to spend all the time together. Now it's changed slightly because obviously we have a son now, but before we had a kid, when I was going to the McDonald's All-American game to watch Kev, she was coming with me. When I was going to meet with a Sixer scout, she's coming with me to the meeting. Like she was doing everything with me, but I'm going to speak to the head coach at a university because they want, you know, to talk about whatever she's coming with me in that same office. So like when I'm meeting coach K, she's beating coach K. Like, so it was a really, really, really cool thing, man. Cause you get to, you get to share the same experiences with her. So I don't have to tell her stories about 85% of the things that I'm doing because she was there with me and we get to talk about it and reminisce. We get to tag team and, and, and go after trying to help players get better. Sometimes she'll have conversations that will help them 
and they'll be more receptive to listening to her than to me sometimes. Um, so it, it's really a beautiful thing, man. I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, there's there's been times where, you know, she has a degree in biology and she took a part-time job at a few points in her life. And um, we financially, I mean, it would help a ton. I mean, her making an extra three, $4,000 a month. But we've, I mean, we've had to ask ourselves multiple times in our, in our marriage, like, yeah, that'd be cool and that'd be good. But like, would we be as happy? Like, do you want to do that? Do I want you to do that? Or do we want to be able to still be able to spend the time together? And the question, I mean, the answer has been, no, nah, we want to be able to do this together. So we've been, um, we, we've made the choice to sacrifice those things because we want to do this together. And it's, it's, it's an amazing journey, man. That's a dream setup, man. So, all right. I, I feel like, and I don't want to, I don't want to bifurcate faith and business here because I think there are a lot of similarities case in point, mm-hmm. man. It's a book, definitely a book. I think you will like the business secrets of the Bible is by a guy named Daniel Lappin. And it just talks about like the similarities between, uh, Dom, D-A-H-M. It's a, it's a word in Hebrew, but it, it's a, also a same word for blood. So anytime you have a word in Hebrew, that's the same, uh, it, it gives insight into the, the similarities between the words. So you got to think about blood and money on one hand with blood and money, they both have banks. You got a blood mm-hmm. bank, you got a financial bank, you got carrying nutrients, you got carrying money throughout the economy. Uh, you think the same, they're both mass nouns. You don't have a singular mm-hmm. form of blood or money. Like, Hey, can I have uh, a blood? You know what I'm saying? Or can I have a money? Um, yeah. They're fungible. So if, if, I bar- let you borrow my car, you give me a different car, it matters. But if I give blood or give $20 bill, give me the same, a different $20 bill, doesn't, doesn't matter, doesn't phase. So it's just this yeah. book breaks down like business and, and spirituality and all those things that I think you're gonna really, really like. Um, I'm gonna be honest, probably gonna get that once we get off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll send you the cover and everything. <laughs> but um, transitioning into more of the business aspect, which usually, honestly, man, I, I dive, straight into the business aspect for this podcast, but there was a lot more here that I felt the need to, to cover. So question for you, you tweeted something not too long ago, rest in peace to all the conversations that I, that I had <laughs> after we talk about price. What do you mean? Yeah. Man. So what I've realized, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier with, um, there's no degree for being a basketball trainer, right? People, because it's basketball training, I think a lot of times, undervalue what we do so i i get probably a dm every two days realistically asking for something and asking for it for free i mean there's side tangent i'll make this very very quick for example i have an online academy if anyone listens to this go cop that um but i have an online academy right and um one of the things i'm trying to do with it is i want to be able to if you send me a video um of you forming a, a a drill or a move or whatever I want to be able for you to send that to me and me try and critique it to the best of my ability um, if you have a certain goal I want to be able to say hey here's I have a drill library of 250 300 drills you want to achieve this here are some drills specifically that will help you achieve that um, long story short someone dm me you know can you help me with my shot I get this a lot and I always try and you know, I don't do it every time, but to the best of my ability, I'll try and reply to it and say, hey, yeah, work on these things really, really quickly. And um, so I was having a long conversation. I was like, hey, I have an academy. Blah, blah, blah. I'd love for you to get it. It'll be more in depth of what I'm doing right now, you know, trying to help you. He said, oh, well, someone else just, he put some guy's name, I don't know. Someone else just does it for free, posts stuff on Instagram. I'll just use him. Thanks, though. I was like, all right, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I get it, man. Like, best of luck and everything. Like, 
hopefully you can get some value out of the three drills that I post on my on my page. Um, she asked me like two days later, like multiple videos. Can you critique my shot? Blah blah blah. This and that. And I was like, dude, we just had this conversation. Like, and um, I, I give it to my wife. Like, what do I say to this? Like, I literally just told this man. Like, this is how I feed my family. This is all I've done. Like, I had a job at Hollister as a sophomore in college. Worst job in the world. Maybe wear thong sandals, tight jeans. I was pissed. And that when I left that job, I literally said, I was like, I will never work for anyone else again. I am not doing it. Um, which I guess I work for a church now, so that was a lie. But whatever, long story short, people don't value basketball training, right? Because so many people play basketball. It's like, why would I pay you to to help me? And um, for me, like I think again, I look at it as an investment. So when I work with a player, I think I'm gonna teach you a few things. One, I'm gonna teach you hopefully life lessons within that within however long we work together i want to teach you something that's going to translate after you're done hanging up the basketball where if you quit basketball tomorrow you're still going to come out of these sessions as a better person then two i want to help you become i want to help you become a better player that hopefully if your goal is to play in college or whatever the case may be may translate to you getting a scholarship so i look at it like this if i charge you x amount of dollars a month if i show you one or let's just say one workout we'll, we'll go with that I show you one thing that you decide to work on consistently that can help change your game. That one thing can help you average four to six points more a game. Those four to six points may be the difference of you when Kentucky comes to, I'm just talking around school, Kentucky comes to watch you, you having 14 and you having 20. You having 20 may be like, man, this dude can put the ball in the hole. You stand out from that one thing I taught you. That one thing I taught you could potentially turn to you getting $140,000 scholarship. So I look at it as like, man, what I do is very, very valuable. And I treat it as such. So I have to charge for it as such. Because if I want to be able to invest the time into developing my craft, into becoming a better trainer, into um, becoming better at articulating what I'm trying to get across to you as the player, I have to charge you an amount where I can devote that time to it, which means I can't work a full-time job if I want to be the best at what I do. So I have to charge as if I'm getting paid for a full-time job or, if I'm, or as if I'm running a business so I can employ or train other trainers to be able to help more people so that they can help affect more lives. And obviously that's a lot deeper than anyone's thinking about. I just want to learn how to get lower on my crossover. No one's thinking about it in that type of way, but that's how I think about it. And man, people, people want stuff for free because there's, there's no, it's basketball, right? It's not a big deal. It's, it's a game. It's a game. I, I, a kid hits me up. 90% of the time, they want it for free. A parent hits me up and they hear my prices. Um, some of them are like, man, I'm, I'm happy to pay. Others are like, well, I'll go to uh, his his AU coach or his sixth grade team who's just a parent, and I'll, I'll ask them to train. I'm like, we don't need you. I'm like, okay, that's fine, but you don't get what you pay for. I guarantee you, they. I probably watch more film in one day than they've watched in their entire life, and that's not being egotistical. That's just I know I put in work to be able to charge what I charge. And – all I ask for you is to respect that um, because you don't go into Walmart asking for things for free. You don't go into a doctor saying, hey, um, do all this for free. You don't um, you don't treat other businesses the way that you treat basketball trainers. And you definitely don't do it, if I'm being honest. Because a lot of times I think people also try and take advantage of me in particular. I'm a 27-year-old black man. This is the most facial hair I've ever had in my entire life. And I've been growing it out during the quarantine. I look like a 17-year-old for half my life, half my training career. It's very hard for them to realistically understand, like, yo, this dude's charging X amount. Um, I'm going to pay him that much. That's what I pay a 
uh, I don't know. That, that's a lot of money. I don't want to pay that. Like, so, um, but again, I, I have to value my time. And I've gotten to the point now, unless I feel like a call from God where I'm supposed to help somebody, I'm not leaving the house for, unless I got a certain amount of money coming out of it. Now, again, if I feel a call or I, you know, I want to help somebody because I feel that, then I'm 100% going to go all in. But I'm not going to lower my prices for anybody unless you're in college because I understand the struggle. Outside of that, I, I'm not helping. I'm not. I'm not lowering my prices because when when I wanted to straight, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a quick story. I'll make it very fast. I wanted to work out with Tim Grover when I was um had my surgery. I wanted to come back. I want to work out with Tim Grover. I read his book Relentless. Charlie, stop doing that. I can't focus, bro. Sorry, he's messing with something in the back. I got ADD. I'm, I've been. What is, what is he doing though? So everybody listening like, to audio, he has an intern he <laughs> that is in the car with him right now, who has been fairly quiet up until this point. So I have to know what he was doing now. He's just like, I'll, I'll show you, man. For those, let me see it. There's like a so I had a phone case. It was a bought it at Walmart for cheap. It's a unicorn phone case that my son broke, and he's like rubbing on his leg and it's making a scratching noise. And I'm like losing my mind. <laughs> uh, That's gold. Bro. <laughs> But yeah, so um, I, I used to, right? I didn't have no money at this time. I um, I just started training. I think I made like friggin' three hundred dollars my first summer of training. Um, but I wanted to work out with Tim Grover bad, man. So I was relentless. I'm like, I'm gonna be relentless in hitting this dude up. So I don't know who I was emailing, but I'm assuming it's Tim Grover. It's the Tag Athletics. So it's probably not actually him. But I'm emailing them. I set an alarm on my phone. Email them every single day at 10 a.m. So I emailed him for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm like, I'm gonna get a reply. So he finally replies after like three weeks of emailing him. And in the email, I'm like, Listen, I don't have the money, I'll do whatever. I don't care what I have to do. I'll sleep in my car, I'll clean your toilets, I'll scrub the ground, like whatever you need me to do, I'll pay you everything I have, and I'll work off the rest. I, I'm I'm I want to do whatever it takes. And you know, we actually had multiple, whoever it was on the other side of that computer, multiple emails sent back and forth and Ultimately, I decided not to go um, because my career was over. I decided that it's not, you know, I've got to end it and go all in on training. Long story short, people can't afford things. I'm willing. I'll, Charlie, for example, Charlie right next to me. Got to tell the story, Charlie? Charlie was sacrificing food to work out with me when he was in college. Like sacrificing his money to go get meals to work out. And there was one point where he couldn't pay. So, you know what we did? Charlie, you can come mop the floor. I think he said, like, I'll do whatever. I'll clean the, the floor. I'll, I'll do whatever I can, you know, to, to get workouts in because he wanted to be great. So we're like, all right. He had to mop the floor a few times. He didn't have to pay. Eventually, we gave him the keys to it. We had a facility in Tampa. We had a, a gym, 24-7 access, 4,000 square feet. We gave him the keys to the gym. He's the only person, only person that got keys to the gym. Didn't pay a dime. Because we knew that he wanted to get better and he was all in. He was willing. Now, we didn't even, I don't know, did Chris make you about the floor all the time? So we helped out with sessions as well. But this wasn't something where it's like he had to do it every single day. It was like, all right, because you're willing to do it, you got it, bro. Because we know that you're willing to. And you respected our time enough not to just ask for a freebie. So I think that's the biggest thing. Long story short, I rant a lot. I've got to be better with it. But um, No, nah, man, respect. this is for you to be loquacious, sir. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I mean just 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 respect the time that, that that trainers put into it because there's a lot of people that that sacrifice a lot to try and be the best at what they do and try and give you the best service possible that can change your life. Um and people want stuff for free, man. It's sad. I'm curious to know for for you, what 
golly, there's a lot of different ways to go with this. Did you get a chance to go up there? So in this exchange with the person from Attack Athletics, were you a actually able to go up there in exchange for sweat equity and they didn't allow you? No, I – um. so when I was sending these emails, I was – so I redshirted after my hip surgeries, and I wanted to go up there for multiple reasons. One, to learn, you know, just from obviously an amazing, you know, company and training, you know, trainer. But two, I also wanted to continue to play. And um, I just uh, I made the decision to forego my training or my not my training my playing career. Um, just I was going through so much pain after my because I had two surgeries. I had bilateral hip uh, labrum repairs back to back, so I didn't run for like ten months straight. And um, you know, going from not running ten months straight to playing college basketball. Um, someone showing up late because they don't care and you have to do towel pushes over and over again and your coach not like caring that you just had surgery it was just like it was too much on my body I mean it was to the point where I couldn't lift my leg over my bike seat to ride my bike to class and when that happened I think it was fourth game of the season I was like you know what I'm calling it quits I'm done like because I'm not gonna be able to walk by the time I'm 25 at this rate um so for that reason I, I didn't um pursue going up there anymore because one of the main reasons of me wanting to train was at that point was over. Got it. So for you with, ah, man, the online academy, I know for the first 75 people that sign on, you're giving, what, 30% off? Um, well, we're only opening it to 75 people, actually. So, okay, yeah, so it's 75 people max. Um, you know, for me, like, I look at it, I don't, again, I don't think a lot of people look at it like that because there's a ton of online you know, training a ton of it out right now, especially with the um, with COVID-19. You know, everyone's doing it. And um, this actually pushed me to do. I mean, shame to say this. I probably had, at least for the ball handling program that I put at, I had 90 percent of the drills done for three years. Literally three years. Haven't posted it. Uh, just always making an excuse and always. You know, I mean, again, I'm all in on certain things, but I'm not perfect. There's certain things that I'm tentative or hesitant or fearful of starting for a man if I fail like how are people gonna look at me if I post this and nobody does it or whatever the case may be I still have those thoughts um they're a million times less than what they used to be uh Jesus entered my life but I still have them so um only 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 offering it to 75 people and my thought process behind that was I'm offering my time every day you can hit me up whenever excluding Saturday because that's the day I spend with my wife and my family um but every other day, man, you guys can hit me up, whatever. And I 75 still a lot, but I was like, man, if 75 people actually do it, I know that that's something where I can uh, make sure I'm, I'm giving them 100% of my efforts and helping them become a better, better player. So um, that was kind of the thought process behind that and definitely giving a big discount because I tell people, it's like, man, you're getting access to me 24-7. Yes, yeah, not in person, but you're getting also every drill that I pretty much have. Um, they're going to be consistently updated. So I don't have all of them up right now, but already right now, I probably have over 250 videos. Um, and it's literally less than what I would charge for one individual with me and you get it for an entire month. So like, I'm like, I'm rather, I mean, to be honest, as a better deal. It's probably better to do that than to do a drop in individual with me. I mean, it makes more sense because you're going to get something for consistent. You're going to have consistently things that, Hey, I'm flicking with my, flicking my offhand. Um, every time I shoot, the ball's going left to right. How do I fix it? Um, well, maybe we didn't get to that in your individual, your first individual or whatever case, you know, whatever the reason may be. Um, all right, hey, do this drill that's going to help with that in my form or my corrective exercises 
um, section of my shooting program. And it's like, yeah, I look at that as like, all right, you stop missing left to right. You made one small tweak in your jump shot. Your percentage jumps 5%. You average seven more points. Now you go to freaking Kentucky. Now you go to the league and Merry Christmas and everybody's happy. So, um, how are you quantifying your time on this, though? I mean, because I know, are you sending actual videos back to them of feedback? Or because you got some kids who might send you thousands of videos, some might send you one per month. How do you justify that in a time budget? That's that's a great point. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I've kind of based this because I've never done this type of style before in my life. I've kind of based it off of human, human nature. So I want people to send me videos, right? I really do. Out of all the signups I've had so far, I've had one person send me videos. It's kind of disappointing because, again, I want to help more, but they're just not doing it. And I've realized that's just how people are. People will commit to something, and they won't use all the resources that are at their disposal out of slothfulness and, 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 and priorities. Um, so I figured, if man, if 75 people do it, which I don't have 75 yet, but if 75 people do it, then – at most, I could see 15 people actually utilizing all the services. Now, some people probably don't feel the need to send me videos. Some people probably don't record themselves. Maybe they're using some of the drill portions, which I really, really hope they are using. They're getting full value out of it. Um, but just realistically, man, people just don't use everything that they have at their disposal. And it's unfortunate because I want to be able to help them. But I did it with that mindset of I know I'm not going to have to reply to 75 people six days a week because people just aren't going to do it. I'll put it like this. When you train a kid and you tell them, hey, go work on these every single day at home, how many kids do you think work six days out of the week on their own? Oh, man, probably two. Probably two. So that's kind of my same process. It's like I know the percentages. They're just not going to do it. So for you, you said you don't have all of them filled right now. Are you comfortable saying how many you do have? I know you posted on Twitter. Yeah. Counting down. I have, as of right now, so it's like weird. I have – 10 spots filled so far. So I looked at this at one point. I was talking to my wife. I was like, man, like, I think it's 10. Minor 10. It's between 9, between nine and 11. I have to double check. We, my wife talked to a few people that said they were going to do it. So, But um, I've had to do a better job of, like, so when I dropped the ball handling thing, right, my ball handling program is just a one-time purchase. I had um, I have 81 enrollees. Now, some of those I probably saved, probably about 10 of those I probably – gave pro bono to kids that had a certain package like or that didn't train because of COVID is like here because you missed some of your sessions take the program so we probably have about 70 or so paid enrollees and so for me since this is a business one I'm like this is two thousand some dollars in the first two weeks like this is great like this is amazing um so when I dropped the 75 thing I'm like man I expect all of them to fill up isn't always the case it's a much higher price point and it's reoccurring, it's subscription-based. So, and I've had conversations with, for example, Paul Fabrice, PJF. I've had conversations with Jordan. They've told me about this stuff and the percentages and subscription-based to non-subscription-based and how it works. And But, you know, there's always a little bit of hope. Like, everyone's going to sign up immediately. I'm going to have $6,000 of reoccurring income and be able to help people. Uh, I can forgo half my train, like all that type of stuff. doesn't happen like that. So I've had to have a conversation with my wife, like, man, like, is this failing? And she's like, no, you have nine people. This is the first, you've only been doing online training for one month. And you have $600 of reoccurring income now that you didn't have. And the only thing you have to do is, is reply, because you've already made the drill. You've already recorded. You've already posted it. 
all you have to do is reply and to say, hey, go to this drill for this thing for help design workouts, which doesn't take that long, but it's going to be very beneficial to them. Like, that's not a failure. So I've had to kind of adjust my way of thinking of, man, like, just one, me starting it and putting it out was a success in my book. Because like I told you, I've had some of this stuff for three years already recorded, literally the website already made and just never pressed publish to the world for whatever reason, because of fear, because of I don't want to um, have nobody sign up and then me look around like, dang, like I did all this work for nothing. Um, so I just kind of had to adjust. And it's like weird because some aspects of my life, I'm okay with that. And then others, I'm not. And this is one of the things that I've always had more fear of probably because I'm not as, um, educated on it i've done my best to reach you know to, to research and talk to other people i've talked to marketing people i've talked to people on online subscription-based models i've taken, i've done courses on it online but it's like i still really don't know as much um so i've always been a little bit hesitant but you know, i've changed it to now that's a success for me that's 600 dollars a month reoccurring income that i didn't have before and i'm helping the people that actually are using it and the people that have one person has seen the video and the other people there's been a few that have like tuned into online um to you know online live workouts because I'll film some workouts that we're doing live that only they get and they see the benefits. So it's, it's been a win-win. You got to keep pushing and keep trying to take baby steps every single day and not wanting it, not being a microwave mentality. As Reggie Evans said a few weeks ago, got to let it bake, got to let it marinate. Everybody wants stuff immediately. And I sometimes fall victim in that as well. So it's got to be patient. Even Mr. Process himself falls victim of not <laughs> despite yeah. the humbling beginnings. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real though. That's real, and it's 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 harder than what we, what people, what trainers think, man, to to do that. You know, um, I won't say the name of the company, but like they they told me the percentage of what you can expect for these online subscriptions, and it was low, man, like two percent, three percent of their YouTube following. I'm like, if you have a huge following, that's great, but it's I don't know, man, it's it's tough. So the question for you is, what in terms of the the brick and mortar, the actual local business there? Would you say what percentage of your classes are always full? Is it elementary, the middle, the high school? What kind of operating capacity do you have on a daily basis? That's a good question. I'd say, first off, it's very seasonal. Very, very seasonal, as I'm sure you already know. Um, so I've kind of changed my model significantly since I initially started. Um, when I initially started, I had small groups where, so I had individuals and then I had small groups, small groups maxed out at six blocks. And those were consistently full. There's only six kids. I would, I have always done, I have sessions. I'd probably say five to six days a week. I usually try and have group sessions four to five days, depending on season. If it's in season, I'll definitely decrease that number. If it's out of season, I'll try and, you know, have as many as possible. Um, now I, eventually got to the point where it's like, all right, I'm spending way too much time doing groups. I have to have, you know, multiple groups a day. Um, now we're going to have eight kids in a group. Those were between six to eight kids. Usually sometimes they'd have a little bit more. Sometimes there'd be eight in one group. I'd have a group right after there'd be four kids or something along those lines. Um, but hourly it was definitely making sense. Cause I was charging. Um, if you want me to get in specifics, I don't know how, deep you want to sure for sure they got to dig to go on the site if they even do that but yeah yeah for sure i go into them um so i would i was charging and i still charge this is 250 a month um for eight sessions which comes out to 30 dollars 30 dollars 25 cents a session um 
or you could do a drop-in. I've significantly raised the price over time, but now my drop-in is $50. If you want to come to one session, you got to pay $50. And my thing is this, give out a lot of game right now, hopefully to some of that's just starting, hopefully it makes sense. Um, but um, listen, I can't guarantee you're going to get better. You only do one session. If you're not willing to commit to a package, I can't guarantee you're going to see improvement. If you come for that month, I can guarantee you're going to see something. One session, I can't. We really want you to do a group. That's why we've lowered the price almost $20 per session. But if you want to do a drop-in, that's completely fine. That's up to you. That's why we charge the $50. And majority of parents are like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I want my kid to get better. I'll commit to at least having a month, going for a month straight. Um, so hourly, if I got four kids, $30 a session, I'm still getting paid $120 an hour. If I have eight kids, I'm getting paid $240. So that was kind of my process of like, I want to make sure that I'm getting paid a ridiculous amount of per hour compared to the average job because you and I both know we don't work average hours. I it's very rare for me to have eight group sessions in a day. And by very rare I mean it never happens. So I had to price it accordingly. Now now I, because I have a another trainer as well, we don't have a cap on how many kids we'll have in the gym because I'll have my wife well I don't have my wife right now because she's about to give birth any given day. But before We'd have my wife, myself, Coach Ray. That's three people at least. So we've had, this is by far the biggest session, and I never want to get this big um, because it was very, very tough. We had, you know, 25 kids in one session at one point. But I think at that, I think that same time we had four coaches in there. Um, so we're breaking them up. And I'm, you know, going over the concept that we're going. I'm sending them to a hoop, sending them to another hoop. Um, then we have two people, you know, doing progressions on that without a hoop. If it's an off the dribble move, whatever the case may be, and we got a coach at each station, so that way everyone still there's five, six, seven kids in each group, so they can still get that individualized instruction. It's not me just saying, "All right, everybody go," me going over the move and them going wild, doing everything completely wrong, having terrible footwork, and me just collecting a check at the end of the day because I never want to do that. Um, so again, I've kind of I say in the beginning when I had six players per session they were maxing out um frequently where again there just wasn't enough time in the day to rationalize only having six especially because I started having other people come in the same session with me my wife at the time when I was in Tampa Chris was coming um he was interning for like eight months he was coming to almost all the sessions um so I was able to you know slowly but surely um increase the capacity of how many kids were allowed to go in sessions um I'd say on average right now we have out of season before Corona, we're having 10 to 12 kids per session, um, usually four days a week. And then um, one day we'll have two sessions. We'll have about like seven and five or seven and seven or something like that. Um, so, yeah. And they're all paying that same group package price. Or is it different? Yes. So sometimes, we have sometimes I have a, for weeks, sometimes four per week, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a few different options. I have I used to never do one time a week. Um because my mindset was you're not gonna get better only come one. You're really not gonna get better if you only do two times a week, but you're dang sure not gonna get better if you only do one time a week. So that's probably I've, I think I've introduced that within the last two years. Um, but I've just realized that parents don't care. And hopefully if you have a kid that's dedicated and one time a week is better than no times a week. So we have a one time a week package, a two time a week package, a three time a week package. And then we have an unlimited package. Um, then I also have individual options as well. We have a two time a week individual option, a three time a week individual option. 
and then a five time a week individual option. No one really, not many people do five. That's like ridiculous amount of money, but there's always been a few um, that do it and, and it, it works out. So um, now if someone commits to a long-term contract, which I'm hesitant on even saying, because I don't want someone to do this and get played because unless you're willing to take someone to, to court or whatever, um, or put them in collections, people will chip you. Um, so I had the option, you know, where you'll do it, you'll commit to a year, you'll sign a contract, you'll go for a year. Um, and you'll do it two times a week individual, right? But because you've locked into it for one year and getting drafted every first month for that entire year, you can't cancel. Now you get two group sessions a week as well, or you get unlimited groups um, as well as your two individuals. Again, the unfortunate part about that is there are going to be people that take advantage of you and are just going to dip out. And again, unless you're willing to put them in collections, um, they're going to take a lot of value that you offered and not hold up their end of the bargain. So what do you, yeah, we, we what is, go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry. No, I, I wasn't saying none of value. You got it. <laughs> what did you, what would you say is the, who is your ideal client or the client that you see the most of kind of to give me that, that background or that characteristic, that demographic of, of that person. And the second part of that question is what is your most popular package? 250 a month is by far the most popular two times a week. Um, I'd say 60% of people are doing that for one package. Um, the most popular or excuse me, the, uh, client that's coming probably the most um he's probably so it's like one of two i either have really young or high schooler i i really don't have as many middle schoolers that are coming consistently for whatever reason um now i will say market makes a difference when i was in tampa we had a, a lot more high schoolers um not as much young kids now that i'm in tallahassee we have a significant amount of younger kids but i'd probably say fifth grade fourth fifth grade coming more consistently or 10th and 11th grade. 10th or 11th grade, when they can get their own license, they're definitely trying to come a lot more when their parents don't have to take them. Fifth grade, I've realized parents are just willing to do more whatever, to help their baby score 12 points in their YBOA league, whatever. Um, they're usually upper middle class, mid to middle class. Um, and I don't really tell them they need to specialize, but for the older kid, they're definitely only playing one sport. For the younger kid, they're usually doing a lot. But they usually have a parent that really gets it. They usually have, to be honest, a, a dominant male figure um, in their life that really either usually played at some type of level, higher level from the younger kid, um, and understands the importance of being consistent with whatever they do. So, like, they're really, really preaching consistency with that kid. That's probably the, 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 the person that's coming the most. Um, yeah, that's not, yeah, that's, that's probably it. Oh, and uh, a lot of times for that older kid, they go into private school. It just happens like that. That's, that's, that's thorough, man. Usually, and I didn't until now, but I'm still learning that ideal customer. Not, and I shouldn't say ideal person that I'm seeing the most of, that, those similarities yeah. between that, that, that character. So I know how to talk whenever it's time to, to, to message or to communicate for the marketing. I guess two more, two more questions. May, it may, some may come. Uh, after we hear your answer. One, I've asked Ryan Rizuki this, and I've asked a lot of others this same question. Does your social media following, does that help bring in more clients for the actual local training business? No, nah. very rare. The only thing that would help, I would say this, because 
I thought it would. I thought it was going to make a huge difference. Like, man, like, granted, hear me when I say this. Obviously, this is not like, yo, I got 22K. Like, I'm I'm the juice in Tallahassee. Like, nah, kids don't care about it. Because what I realized is, and, and parents, to be honest, is they want the cheapest option. It's sad to say a lot of them want the cheapest option. So even though, you know, resume-wise as well, like, I might have the – not might, like – I don't want to sound egotistic, but just the reality. Like, I have the best resume in my area, the media area, bar none, right? You know, multiple pros or whatever the case may be. Even that sometimes, and we'll get people, they'll call my wife all the time. Um, what makes you, like, what makes you guys able to train my eight-year-old son? Like, what makes you credible enough? And I'm like, what? Like, Duke, Georgia, Memphis, Maryland, Kansas. Like, you got my number off the website. Like, did you not read it? <laughs> like, it's crazy. But social media, Matt, I'll say this. It will be beneficial if you have kids going to bat for you. So if I got local kids that are the best players, and I probably should do more of it. I, I, I battle this a ton, um, which will be a whole other side tangent. But I battle um, whether I should post workouts or post stuff a ton because I don't really like to. But at the same time, I understand the value of marketing, and I have to do it. That's how I feed my family. But if I tag a kid that's really good in my story and he reposts it and it's consistent, other kids will want to come. If I don't tag, if I don't have the popular or the, the, the really, really good kids um, posting me in their story or shouting me out or whatever, it does absolutely nothing. You'll, you'll have kids from the area follow you, still, still doesn't care because they don't see, in my opinion, there's not enough social proof for them to rationalize, now I want to work with this dude. All they really want, when Kevin was coming up, everybody intent, once that Home Team Poops documentary came out of me and Kevin working out, everybody and their mom hit us up. Everybody, I mean, it like, in like a month and a half, we probably got $4,000, $5,000 worth of revenue that was brand new coming in because they saw me work out with Kevin. But because he was a dude, he was a juice, and there was social proof. Um, so if you don't use social media to the point where, like, it don't matter if I work out with Wayne Bacon, it don't work, matter if I work out with Jonathan, no matter if I fly to um, California and work with Willie Cully Stein, they don't give a crap about that. But if they're homeboy who averages 22 and uh, they'd be freaking commenting my slime on freaking Instagram and post me. Everybody wants to come. It's crazy. <laughs> That's funny, though, man. And it's, it's real, too, that it's so real. Like, I don't know, man. It's – I've been thinking of ways to, to make that more of a system to where – you know, you incentivize the athletes to invite their friends because that is, like you said, that's, that seems like that's the best way to get more people into the sessions. But um, I don't know, man, is there anything, and I'm telling you, I can keep going on and on, but I'll, I'll hold it off right now and try to have you on for part two if possible. Is there any other piece of wisdom that you'd be willing to share with any other trainer out there or maybe even a, a college player who's thinking about doing this like you did your junior year? For sure. Um... I guess I would just say, don't worry. And it's kind of, I don't want to say hypocritical because going off on a side tangent. Don't worry so much about making money initially. So when I first started this, man, like I said, the first summer, when I first started in general, right, I had a very, very few amount of people working with me. I had one player from my team that was willing to work out with me, Matt Chadden. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Matt Chadden was the only kid on my team, my college team, that was willing to work out with me. Um, put up flyers everywhere. Very few people were interested. I had people that were literally, literally, literally 
trying to get me to charge one dollar for a workout one i think it was like 165 it was like something reckless like i, I distinctly remember it i was going to work out their team and they were like all right we'll give you like seven dollars for an hour there's seven kids like oh uh, and i'm like bro what like so all that to be said people will not want to pay you up front and a lot of times you're going to have to bite the bullet to get content because that's extremely important now but also just to develop your craft so don't look for money up front all right you're going to get opportunities you'll have opportunities or you may have opportunities to work under somebody to intern with somebody to um have a job that ain't really a job because you're not getting paid take those opportunities um because again i didn't make crap my first summer second year or that second year is when things kind of took off on for me but I was still preparing that entire first time when I didn't make any money for my opportunity, um, for my opportunity when I could work out a pro, for my opportunity work, when I got to work out accordingly. And even though I look back at it, I was hot garbage juice. For whatever reason, he let me work it out multiple times. And, um, but, I, but I had watched, even though I was doing some stuff that was trash, I had done some, enough stuff, I guess, that was decent because I had spent the preparation and watching five, six hours of film a day working out my teammate, getting out the kinks, um, learning how to explain things in depth enough where it would make sense and being confident enough in myself as a trainer where when I got the opportunity to work out a pro, I wasn't uh, 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 choking, you know, mumbling, stuttering because I was scared and starstruck. Um, those all came from opportunities that I wasn't getting paid really anything for. Um, so that would be my biggest thing, man, is just be willing. Now, I'm not saying sell yourself short, not saying be a slave, um, but be willing to sacrifice getting paid because a lot of people want to get paid, paid off of this too early. And if only if you're only thinking about money and not becoming the best at what you do in the beginning stages or becoming the best possible version of you in the beginning stages, I think it's a I think it's a lot of times it's a short lived career. And those people don't usually last as long as someone that's like, all right, I want to make sure I come correct. So whenever I do burst on the scene, whatever I do want to charge $85 an hour or whatever the case may be, or $100 an hour, or whenever I want to offer someone a $200 package, like I'm giving them $200 worth of, I'm giving them $400 worth of value for a $250 package. So they're going to stay and they're going to stick around. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to post on social media for me. And then their friends are going to come and you're around for the long haul rather than you making some quick money up front, um, but it not being sustainable. Key Dean, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. No, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I love to talk. So, <laughs> uh, my apologies if I was long winded on anything, but I appreciate you, man. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode, and I will catch you on the next one.